Why is this substance calling me? Why is this depression calling my name again? And we, Lord, please take this away. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes there's a fight until the day you're buried in the ground and with your Savior. And that fight sometimes is to keep you humble and broken and on your knees. And that weight of that, that challenge begins to put you in the right position as you seek God with all of your heart and strength. So these things that you keep beating yourself up about, I'm not encouraging sin, but I'm encouraging you to point your heart in the right direction through the struggle. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear part one of a spirit-filled message titled, Empowered by the Spirit. Romans 8.11 tells us, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Please join us for this stronghold-shaking sermon filled with the power of God's living Word as Pastor Shane lays out how we may break the enemy's grip and storm the gates of hell through the power of Jesus Christ. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Idleman. Last night, I talked about being uh, emptied to be filled. And the message was emptying yourself of yourself to be filled with God. And I'm assuming most of you here would love to be filled with God's Spirit, overflowing where joy and peace and contentment, long-suffering are flowing out of you. But that requires something to be emptied inside of you. For example, how much more water can I pour in here? Not much. And that's what many of us have a lot of self in us. Self-will, self-righteousness, self-exaltation, all about self. And the, the, the Spirit of God that wants to fill us and overflow in our lives, is there's not room for that because of our self-will. That's why I love that song, Let It Rain. Let it rain. And what we're asking God, let the, let the, 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 the power of your spirit, let it come into our lives. Let us open our hearts, rend our hearts, not our garments, not just rip our shirts like the Pharisees used to do. And oh, no, God says, open your heart and let the, the spirit of God come and fall on a dry and parched land. And so we have the responsibility to till the soil till the soil of our hearts. I, I don't know how many of you have farm experience. I do. I, I remember, well, not on a farm, but it, it actually back when Quartz Hill was small and they had almond orchards and everything. And my dad had one of those, you held, you hold, you held onto it for dear life. And you started that thing up and it had the, the tillers and you just, I'm 12 years old and I'm going all over, hit, I'm hitting rocks and I'm hitting roots and I'm trying to, t- and it's like a half acre. He said, just, I'll be back in a couple hours, son. Well, thank you. You know, and you just, you're tilling that. But why? Because you had to prepare the soil. 
You had to get rid of the hard and calloused areas and the heart, the rocks that were in the way and the stones, and you had to prepare the soil. That's why the prophets would say, prepare your hearts, O Israel. Remove the fallow ground, the hard ground, because when it rains, it can't go into hard soil. And it's up to us. Yes, the Holy Spirit is available, but it's up to us to allow Him to work into our, li- into our lives. I just focused on that a lot last night, so listen to that message. This is part two of that message, and we're actually in a series here at the church. What is the true Christian? Would the true Christian please stand up? Right, not now. But that's, would the, would the, would you, would the true Christian, who is that rapper? The white rapper? <laughs> M.M.? M.M.? Yeah, I remember that song. I'm dating myself. But would would the real Christian please stand up? Look at what's happening in our nation. Churches are not opening. Some churches are posting ungodly things and doing this. And what many people are left confused. What's going on here? And I will tell you, there are groups that are actually paying. It's called Rent Rent and Evangelical. You can actually fund, funding people like George Soros, let's just say it, he's funding certain organizations that will go, come out and act like they're Christians and, and post things that are, where are they coming up with that? How are they pro-abortion? And, and they'll just, they'll fund these movements and Christians are left baffled and confused and there's so much division. So what is a true Christian? That started last week. You can listen to that message. It was on truth, the power of truth. And this one is empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. Now, as a Christian, if you truly believe and you've repented of your sin and you know Jesus Christ, the gift that you are given is the Holy Spirit. So every believer has the Holy Spirit. The question, though, that I often throw out there every six months or so is, but does the Holy Spirit have all of you? You have all of the Holy Spirit, I believe, at conversion that you will ever need. But does the Holy Spirit have all of you? There's, there's a surrendering that takes place. There's a submission that takes place. And as we empty ourselves, can you imagine if, if pastors would come up here and say, well, I just spent a, a couple hours on this wonderful web- website that had all the sermons already done. I was watching Breaking Bad last night, and then I turned to Netflix for some good flicks, and I threw this together. I think it's really going to impress you, and I, I found some good poems here, and there's some great points here. And man, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I might even submit this for my dissertation. See, it's void of humility. It's void of the Spirit's power because you're relying on your own strength. Now, God, I believe, blesses a prepared heart. I'm not one of those people who just walk up here and say, well, wherever the Spirit leads me, I need to be in prayer. I need to get my thoughts in order. I need to get my notes in order. But at the end of the day, I say, God, you lead me. You lead me. You direct me. So what is empowered? What do I mean by empowered by the Holy Spirit? Actually, I'm so excited about this topic because it is the key to the victorious Christian life. We can talk about theology and eschatology, you know, the end times and soteriology, which is salvation. I love that too. And all the different ologies, but the, the, one of my favorite is pneumatology. Have you, do any men have pneumatic tools? Air, air tools, pneumatic. That's where the word comes from, pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. 
And without the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the unction of the Holy Spirit in your life, Christianity is dead. It's not vibrant. That's why the letter kills. It's the Spirit that gives you life. And I'm not talking about weird things happening. God, that guy sure is weird. He must be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, not actually, the one true mark of someone filled with the Holy Spirit is boldness, empowerment. And if you're wondering, why are so many churches not opening? I can guarantee those pastors are not spending a lot of time with God. On their knees, with their Bible open, praying and worshiping and saying, God, fill me with your Spirit. Because if so, they will come out of that prayer closet like Superman and say, we've got to do something. We're not being pushed around by the state anymore. We have to be that voice of truth, that boldness comes. And I, and I appreciate, I so much appreciate you and emails. We've got list just last night from Texas, Ohio, Colorado, Idaho, all over people saying, thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. But if you knew this real Shane Eidelman, I'd be sleeping at home right now. Don't, it's not me. I'm just the dumb vessel that he decided to use. And I actually, I love that verse. I will choose the foolish things to confound the wise. I will use the weak to make the strong jealous. I will raise up those who have a broken and contrite. God doesn't care about your pedigree or your degree or your knowledge or your ability. He looks for a broken and contrite heart. And when you empty yourself and say, God, use me in any way you want, and then he empowers you, he fills you with the spirit. The number one characteristic is all always boldness, boldness to testify, boldness to witness, boldness to stand up for the truth, bold because the Holy, who's going to back down the Holy Spirit? You think the Holy Spirit in me and in you is cowering back? Oh, if you could let him loose, you'd be amazed at what the Spirit does with an empty vessel. So what has empowered me? What am I talking about? Empowered by the Spirit, the power to do something or the power to make someone stronger. And I know many of us want to live that victorious Christian life. Now, please understand, I'm not talking about you're going to be perfect. Uh, there was something, I believe, in, the, in Methodist, Methodist theology, John Wesley, some of them gravitate, gravitated towards perfectionism. Perfectionism, that at some point in your life, you can be perfect. Now, it's interesting because the, te- the Scriptures teach that you do not have to sin, that you can say no, that you can lead a victorious life. But we also see all the Scriptures that talk about, oh, wretched man that I am, Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? For with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And, and we see this depravity pulling us in the wrong direction and wanting. And so I don't see perfectionism in the New Testament other than in the life of Jesus Christ where He is our model, He is our example. But there's a big difference between being defeated and staying defeated and being hit with the right hook and getting back up and fighting again. That's the Spirit-filled life. You might have got me, devil, last week. You might have got me a month ago. You might have tried to take me out. But by the Spirit of God, I'm going to be empowered. The power to do something. And so I'm just going to talk about three points that I want to leave you with. Empowered through humility. I'm not going to cover a lot there because I talked about that last night. You have to be empowered through humility. And this is one of my concerns for a, a younger generation, that those who, who love the Word of God, right? And they might want to be pastors. They might want to be Christian leaders. They love the Word of God. But they have to be careful because as they read and study, that knowledge begins to puff you up. And ah, look what I know. 
Oh, you're so great. Look at, look at what he knows. He's so spiritual. He can quote the whole book of James. Yes, I can. Look at, and that knowledge begins to puff you up. And there's not any more humility. And you will lose that spiritual power. Isn't it interesting? Jesus rebuked the church in Revelation, I believe it was chapter 3. He said, I see your works. I see what you're doing, but you've left your first love. A hard heart has crept in. And that's why I use the word modern day Pharisee, because we can become critical and judgmental. And God calls us back to that place of humility and brokenness. And I think, you know what, I'll just promote it, the worship mornings and the prayer times. The reason those are so important, it's not just to come and pray corporately or to worship corporately or to find yourself on the altar. That, that's all great. But it's actually, to me anyway, it's a step of humility. It's a step of humility in saying, God, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship you. I'm humbling myself before you. And God begins to bless those humble moves of our spirit that we make. We talked about last night, when I am weak, I am strong. And it's an oxymoron to the world, but to us we realize, in my, see, when you admit your weakness, God, I'm weak in this area. I need your strength. And that's humbling yourself. And that's why we have to be careful when we make excuses. Because excuses often mean there's a lack of humility. Yeah, I know, but we know excuses, right? When God's wanting to challenge us and, and us to change and excuses begin to rise up, we, we lose that, 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 that element of humility. I'll never forget, maybe I should share this with you guys. I've been wanting to, but I'm a little nervous. But I think it's okay. My wife will remember this. Probably five years ago, I remember the chair I was sitting in. I remember the office I was sitting in. And this lady called, and she goes, I need to talk to you. God put this on my heart. I normally don't do this. And uh, she was right. She never did. My wife, we're on a three-way call. And she goes, I just, you just, there's a, I, there, you, there's a hardness in your heart. And I was pastoring in Lancaster. And my wife said, you didn't say anything. You just sat there quiet. And I said, yeah, if it's God. If it's God, I want to be open to that. I didn't defend it. Didn't make excuses. Took it to the Lord. And that's what God does to to change us is to take now I wish I could tell you I always do that <laughs> right but I'll never forget that because my wife said well you didn't say anything you're just quiet I don't I don't know if I see that but like well that's just I mean she never does this she's timid she's not this isn't normal for her so I need to see if God is is convicting me in this area no doubt he was how many of us know that we can let a hard heart creep in when we start to become become unloving I better see a lot of head shaking right now we can become unloving unforgiving, bitter, resentful. And I think in, at that point, I don't know exactly, but I was becoming pretty bitter uh, because of, of you get hurt a lot in ministry. Did you know that? If you get hurt a lot as Christians, you can times that by 10 when you're leading a church. And, and, and you start to allow that bitterness to, to, um, to come in and, and you get a hard heart and you lose that tenderness. You lose that love and you start to preach out of anger. And that's not healthy. And so it was a, it was a very, it was a good turning point in my life. Uh, but I wanted to pick up where I left off last night because I know a lot of you are waiting for this. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul had this vision of heaven. Paul was touched by the Spirit of God. At any time there are mountaintop experiences, get ready for the valley. 
Because there are so many times that where, uh, I mean, I can think, think of so many times when I flew, me and my wife flew to uh, be on Fox News in New York. It was a, We were on a high for like three days. And this is incredible. Kirk Cameron's there and the Fox News anchors and meeting Jim Cimbala and his church and Brooklyn Tabernacle and touring Times Square Church. And I'm, I'm walking on clouds. And then we get home, psh, the valley of despair. Back to the work, back to the grind. I don't remember what happened, but it was just a difficult season. I think it was a topic I talked on that, that, um, uh, that week I was getting, uh, tagged by like right wing news watch, these, these left, left leaning liberal organizations that want to tear you down and make up stuff. And it was just an attack after a mountaintop experience. And, and, it's, and often when you, when, you, when you experience God and you're excited about God, anybody ever leave here just on cloud nine when you leave church and then come Sunday night or Monday morning, it is a whole, I, I want to go back to church. Me and my wife say, that. Where, can we go back to church and can we just worship again? And, and so Paul had this incredible experience where I believe he was taken up and, and saw visions that not many are privileged to and, and saw the glory of God. And it's, and Paul said, therefore, to keep me from becoming prideful, to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me, to harass me. And now nobody really knows exactly what this is. Obviously, Satan was allowed to keep Paul humble. And I believe, just personal opinion, you can say it yourself, a messenger of Satan is often a demonic type of oppression. A messenger from Satan, whether it could be persecution possibly, or some type of demonic... um, uh, oppression. I don't believe a, a Christian, I've taught on this, I don't want to get into detail, but a Christian cannot be possessed as you think of walking around like, I can't do anything, I'm possessed, and like you, the Exorcist movie. I've never watched it, but I don't want to watch it. But the, I, I believe, though, you can be oppressed. You can open up doors in your life. You can, you, you, if you just start, well, let me just start experimenting again with Ouija boards and let me watch all this darkness on TV and this occult and the witchcraft and vampires. Let me see what my horoscope says today. And you can start to open doors that maybe got shut a long time ago. And that gives demon, the demonic realm that gives them some leverage because now you've opened the door. Anybody ever come overcome an addiction and then you think you can handle it again? And you open that door? My, mine right now, I'll just tell you, is chocolate. <laughs> I, I told my wife to hide a bag of chocolate I bought at Costco and she did not hide it. Two, two days ago, two days ago, I'm like, oh, I know I shouldn't get this. But it's the almond clusters with chai seeds and just dark chocolate. And the whole bag is gone in two days by yours truly. <laughs> and I look, there's 160 calories per serving, 16 servings. That's like 2,000 calories. I just ate chocolate and walnuts in two days. Hide this bag. That's why I like fasting, because after a few days, you just lose the appetite for food. And I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to do that again um, f- coming up on our election, that our nation needs it. And um, I won't go into detail, but there's somebody from our church here that fasted for 40 days water only recently, and you will not die. You all, will be okay. Your body switches from, from burning your glucose in your food and your glycogen to your fat storage. And that's what this is for sometimes is a lot of extra energy that we're carrying around. And I, that was a rabbit trail. Where in the world am I going with that thing? 
Oh, my point was if you open the door, right? If you open the door to something that you used to struggle with, that, that there's a stronghold. And often, if you ever heard, you know, you hear that term, a family generational curse. Uh, we really don't believe that or teach that because we don't, that, that's strong language and you have to go into the Old Testament and explain how God cursed the generation down, fourth generation. But we do see now, I believe that predisposition. So if your father, your grandfather was, was predispositioned to a certain lust or what alcoholism or nicot or something that could be still that DNA could still be then passed on to you. So that's going to be an area of struggle you struggle with. We often see this in sexual abuse cases when, when people are abused sexually at a young age, guess what? The person who did it was often abused at a very young age. And so we see there is a predisposition. You have to be on guard in those areas. So that's what we believe in the area of demonic oppression, demonic harassment. Uh, so a messenger of Satan was given to Paul to keep Paul humble. So since we don't know what it is, it can apply to all areas of our life. Isn't that good? If we knew, okay, well, Paul's eyesight, he was, he was physically challenged by the devil. Well, that's Paul. Good, I'm off the hook. No, it can be in any area of our life. The principle is this. God will allow certain weaknesses in our lives to keep us humble. Can you imagine if we mastered everything? I haven't struggled with that in 20 years. I'm sorry for all of you. I don't struggle with this. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't, I've, I've mastered everything. And you begin to become conceited. God says, touches that area. See that weakness? See that weakness? And that weakness is not given to you so, you're, so you live in defeat and succumb to it. It's given often or allowed so you realize, God, I am weak. I can't overcome this. I'm just a frail man and I need your help. So in your weakness, then you are strong. And so something was given to keep Paul humble. And he said, oh, he prayed three times to take this away. I know everyone in this room can, 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 can relate to that. Have you ever prayed, God, please take this away. Please take this away. Why do I want to stop at Starbucks again? Why do I want to stop at Panda Express? Why do I want to stop there? Why can't I get off the internet? Why is the internet calling me? Why is this certain thing calling me? Why is this substance calling me? Why is this, this, this depression calling my name again? And we, Lord, please take this away. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes there's a fight until the day you're buried in the ground and with your savior. And that fight sometimes is to keep you humble and broken and on your knees. And that weight of that, that challenge begins to put you in the right position as you seek God with all of your heart and strength. So these things that you keep beating yourself up about, I'm not encouraging sin, but I'm encouraging you to point your heart in the right direction through the struggle. I mean, for me, if a struggle comes in, you can say, okay, I'm going to prayer. Lord, I'm going to prayer in this area. I need you. In this weakness, I need you. And you need to know this about temptation. There, there's a peak where it comes, but then it, it often drops. Resist the devil at that peak and he will flee from you. So we are allowed difficult situations or maybe a lust that keeps battering you. I mean, I've opened up before, before that, that even when I was younger, people would tease me I was overweight and things. And so food has always been. Now, I know you can't relate, but it's always, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, if, if it's good, I want double. 
And so it's, it's very hard for me. I have to live a very disciplined life. And, and people do say, why are you so hardcore? Because if I get softcore, I'm going to go back to where I used to be. You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.